Hello again. I don't know about you, but I drive a regular internal combustion engine car. In my case, it's a VW wagon, which actually I really like, but it's a 2010 model and perhaps like me, starting to show its age a bit. And that got me thinking about electric vehicles. And that got me talking to today's guest. Joining me today is Seth Weintraub, who runs multiple websites, including electrek.co, and that's Trek like if you're out trekking. That website is all about EVs or electric vehicles and anything related to that field. Welcome, Seth. Thanks for having me. Listen, how did you get involved with electric vehicles? Well, I've always been a little bit on the green side. Uh, we owned some Priuses. Um, I had some solar on my house. Uh, more from a engineering standpoint of efficiency than necessarily trying to save the world. But, um, you know, in 2013, uh, we were deciding on... Uh, then our next car, it was uh, gonna. We were initially deciding between a Nissan Leaf and a Chevy Volt, um, and we just happened to walk into a Tesla store in Santa Monica, California. Um, I asked if there was any test drives available. They said not for a month, but the guy who was supposed to test drive didn't show up, so they could take me out right away. I went out right away, um, and I came back changed. Uh, I you know, basically said, all right, you know, we were going to spend 40, you know, something thousand on our Volt. Talked to my wife. I was like, look, this is a seven seat car. Uh, it's basically a minivan. Uh, it's super fast. It, you know, it's got all these features that I love. Um, can we spend a little bit more? So at, at that time, the, the base model Tesla was 49,000. Um, you know, she is like, yeah, let's support, you know, American uh, uh, entrepreneurship and engineering. We got the car um, and, you know, obviously it took a little while to get the car at that point. I think it was like four or five months. And in the meantime, I, you know, did a lot of research, decided to invest in Tesla. So, you know, the whole the whole thing just kind of flipped in my head at, in 2013. Once I got the car, um, I didn't know, uh, you know, some things about the car. And I kind of wanted to talk to people about it and kind of, you know, just figure out stuff. And there was nothing out there, really. There's a couple electric car sites, but um, nothing, you know, terribly interesting. So, uh, you know, obviously at that point I ran 9to5Mac and a few other websites. Uh, I was like, I know how to do this. So I started Electrek. And uh, it's been, you know, it was just, at first it was kind of a slog. I was kind of writing for an audience of myself and uh, anybody on my Twitter account. But um you know, a couple years in, I uh, picked up a couple more writers and uh, particularly Fred Lambert, uh, another Canadian. Uh, so uh, we're now, I think, the biggest electric vehicle website on earth. And uh, we're growing quite fast along with the EV industry and, and particularly Tesla. I'm, I'm curious when you talk about, you know, when you first started, it was kind of like for a very select audience and, you know, and, and your Twitter followers. But without getting into the numbers of your website, how substantial has the growth factor been over the years? Uh, so, you know, we started in 2013. Um, we've more than doubled uh, every year, give or take. Um, you know, obviously at the beginning, we were doing more than doubling. 
but um and you know we we look we look to uh double again this year so it's been a you know kind of a logarithmic uh growth curve for us and you know as as is the uh ev industry uh you know we expect tesla to sell you know a million cars in a few years and and just about every automaker is releasing real electric cars there's been compliance cars for years but we're starting to see some really compelling cars from all the major automakers You've got a, a pinned tweet on your Twitter account that goes back seven years, back to that 2013 when you were like totally fired up. And it states, cars will change more in the next 10 years than they have in the last 100. Almost every car on the street right now will be valueless. Do you still stand by that uh, that tweet and why or why not? So I do stand by that tweet. I don't uh, know if the time scale is exactly right. Um, but you know, in 2013, uh, you know, it didn't seem like, uh, we were going to do a a fundamental shift. Um, and that, that doesn't just mean electrification, although that's probably the biggest component. Um, there's electric, there's, you know, solar on house is a big component of that. Um, so you're basically creating your own electricity, your own, uh, fuel, so to speak. But there's also ride sharing, uh, Uber and Lyft and, and, you know, further down the line, Tesla network and, uh, Waymo. And then there's also, um, autonomous driving, which also includes Waymo and Tesla and and everybody else. So those four things kind of brought together, um, will kind of shift the industry. Um, it, you know, it'll be kind of weird in a few years to have a car that, you know, can't drive itself, can't, uh, you know, pull, uh, with, with other cars or with other people, um, that runs on gasoline and, uh, you know, it it could be charged at your house. So, um, I, I kind of feel like if it's not a few years, it'll be a few more years. You know what I mean? As both an owner and someone who runs a website, what do you see as kind of the key advantage for a consumer of owning an electric vehicle? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a big hump to get through. Like, you know, I'm, I'm convincing people all the time. I just convinced one of my, uh, friends at the, the coffee shop I go to, to, to buy an electric, uh, Chevy Bolt instead of, uh, going with a Subaru that he's been, he's on his sixth Subaru. Um, it's a, it's a big hurdle to get through mentally at first because you're like, well, I just go to the gas station and I fill up. And, um, when you have an electric car, it's actually easier because you just plug in and, you know, just like your phone. Um, it would be weird to like take your phone to a certain place every week or whatever, two weeks and, you know, spend a few minutes there like charging it up. So it's actually easier because most people don't use, you know, the fast chargers unless they're in a, you know, condominium complex or, uh, on this, you know, they use street parking or they're going on long trips. So it's actually easier, but it, in your mind, it's not. And it's it's a hard hurdle to jump through, particularly if you're older and you've been doing the same gas thing for so long. So it's it's those kind of hurdles that are that make it a kind of a big jump for people. People, you know, are like, well, what if I get stranded? And, you know, that's a legitimate concern. Um, the good news is that electricity is everywhere. I mean, everywhere, whereas gasoline isn't everywhere. So and, and my feeling is that gasoline is going to be fewer and fewer places as these uh, gas stations start to, you know, lose their revenue share. So, you know, for me, it's like you got you to gotta get your mind right. You got to educate people. And education is a big part of what Electrex is about. 
showing you how easy it is to go electric, how convenient it is. And in the long run, you're saving money, you're saving time, and you have a much better experience. Now, lots of people do like to use their vehicles for travel or taking a big road trip with their family. So for those people who do say, oh man, you know, with, with a gas internal combustion engine, I can just go and fill up and, and keep on blowing down the road. But with this, I'm going to have to stop and, and literally plug in and just wait. How do you convince people that that's, that's okay or that it's something you just get used to and, and take it in as part of your travels? Well, it, the new generation of cars, so, you know, for the cars that were introduced in like 2016, like the Chevy Bolt I mentioned before, you're going to have to spend, you know, 30, 40, maybe even up to an hour at a charging station to get four hours of, of travel time, which is not a, a huge trade-off, like four hours, you kind of have to go to the bathroom or eat something or whatever anyway. So it's not like, you know, unless you're like, you know, doing a, a cannonball run, it's not really a big deal um, for most people. Um, the new Teslas that are coming out and, and you know, the Porsche Taycan and, and a bunch of other stuff from Audi and, and Mercedes and VW charge much faster. So it's not di that much different from gasoline. You stop at one of these chargers, maybe 20 minutes, uh, you know, a Tesla Model Y uh, in 15 minutes can get three or four hours of charge. So three or four hours driving of charge. So it's not different than gasoline uh, in a big way because, you know, theoretically at a gas station after four hours of traveling, you're going to want to go to the bathroom. You might want to pick up a snack. You're going to have to pay, do all the transactions. It's, it's becoming unnoticeable. And as charging stations proliferate and they are proliferating, um, it's going to be even easier. I have a friend who owns a Tesla and is a huge advocate. And he's often talking about reduced maintenance costs when it comes to electric vehicles versus internal combustion. Is there some long-term data around on, on maintenance costs and just how significantly lower they might be with an electric vehicle? Um, I can't point to anything specific. Um, I would have to look into uh, data, but logically speaking, you've got one moving part, basically the motor spins the wheels. Um, there's no, like you don't have transmission, you don't have, um, you know, replace oil, you don't have to, I mean, even brakes, like uh, most of your braking is done with regenerative. Uh, you never replace your brakes. Um, in fact, sometimes you have to, you know, the car will use the real brakes just to clean off the rust because you haven't used it in, you know, weeks. So there's just so many advantages to the architecture of electric vehicles um, that kind of, uh, you know, push push to the side the, the old paradigm of, you know, you, you have exploding uh, fuel, like you're containing explosions in your car, which causes you know, a lot of vibrations, a lot of uh, noise, a lot of everything. So it's actually when you think about it logically, um, it's pretty easy to see why, uh, maintenance on an EV, um, is going to be a lot less. Um, I will, I will say though that Tesla has had some, uh, quality control problems, uh, in particular. Um, and that's, you know, theoretically being addressed. Um, you know, I just got a model Y recently and you know, all the panels were all weird and, um, there were some stains on the inside. It's, you know, quality control issues. I feel like quality control issues are one thing at, you know, as these other German manufacturers and even, um, American manufacturers get into it. I think that'll all come together and be way more reliable than a gas car. One of the real selling features of Tesla is the fact that it has so much 
artificial intelligence built into it. I mean, this ability to autonomously get you to where you need to be going, providing the you know the legislative uh, authorities in effect in in that area. Is that something that AI? Is that something that you believe is going to be spreading to other EV manufacturers as as they all come on stream? Yeah, I mean, so Teslas today can't really get you from one place to another. On the highway, you can flip a switch, and um, you could kind of what it, it's more like you take a mental load off. So instead of you know focusing on the road every second, you can kind of reach down and grab a drink or a sandwich and not be too stressed about the car weaving in and out of lanes or whatever. Um, when we go to the next level of driving, I think we're on level two autonomous now, which is the kind of traffic aware cruise control. Um, that'll be, you know, more like driving from your house to your work or whatever autonomously. Um, other automakers are doing the same thing. Um, they're just not as uh, brazen, I guess about putting that stuff out there uh, publicly until, you know, maybe they have a product. Um, I did, uh, I've ridden in GM Super Cruise. Um, I found it to be just as good as Tesla um, on roads that where GM could go. Um, I've ridden also with <coughs> Mercedes uh, version of it, and I found it, you know, very, very reliable. Um, conversely, you know, Tesla's is good and it's out there for, for everybody to use. But I've also had some issues with it where, you know, it decided to, you know, drive off the road for no apparent reason or break um, really hard for no, no reason. And my, my family thinks it's trying to kill us. <laughs> I was going to say, that's got to be a little bit disconcerting if it all is. of a sudden the, <laughs> the car has a mind of its own. Now, I'm going here sort of secondhand from a friend, but... A buddy of mine who drives a Tesla said that Elon Musk stated at some point within the last year that once fully autonomous driving is okay for regulators, that basically he can switch, flip a switch at Tesla and your vehicle could not only drive autonomously, but it could actually work for you at night. So you're going to bed at night and your Tesla goes down the driveway like a robot Uber picks up people, delivers them around town, you wake up in the morning with more money in your bank account. Is this realistic? And is it something you think will will actually happen in the not so distant future? So I do believe that <clears throat> somewhere down the road that will happen. I don't think that's going to be this year or next year. Um, and I know Elon Musk has promised it every year pretty much since uh, 2016 or 2017. I think he's kind of doing that the industry and Tesla a disservice by over-promising and, and, and under-delivering. I don't know if, you know, his expectations aren't being met by his uh, workers or the, the government or whatever. Um, but, you know, realistically, you can't do it. Um, the fact that I'm having problems with autopilot today or, you know, last week means that it's not safe. Um, even when uh, they do flip that switch and you can go from your house to your work uh, autonomously, it's not like you can read a book or, you know, go to sleep in the back seat. You still have to have your hands on the wheel and, and everything. So it's not, you know, it's not uh, fully baked. Um, and, uh, I don't think we're going to get there in a flip of a switch. It's going to be, I would say years of starting to trust the vehicle. Like nobody's going to want to sleep in the back of their car while it's driving day one. They're going to, you know, have their hands on the wheel for months and months and say, all right, 
the car knows what it's doing. Uh, we've got a pretty good shot of not dying. Um, okay, I'll I'll uh, let the car drive. Um, I'm certainly not there yet. Uh, if if Tesla tomorrow said, you know, we're letting you do this, I would definitely not uh, let. I would not let my car drive me to work uh, in in the back seat sleeping. So that's where I'm at. A couple of years ago. I was hired by an engineering firm in California to come down and they were kind enough to put me up in this amazing house in San Francisco. And best part of all, they had a Tesla X in the driveway and said, go for it. You can use this while you're here doing work. And immediately I was kind of blown away by that driving experience and sort of thinking, man, I really want one of these vehicles. But at the same token, you know, I kind of thought this is way too expensive for me right now. And I, I think there are other people out there who just simply can't get their head around the fact that these vehicles are more expensive. Now, with supply and demand, and you were mentioning more manufacturers coming online, do you think we will see substantial price drops in the not so distant future to the point where we're kind of on par with what we would consider to be the price of a, an average uh, internal combustion engine vehicle? Yeah, I think we're, well, there's a couple of things. Like one, you have to consider uh, full ROI. Like, you know, for instance, uh, you know, I just gave up my Chevy Bolt. Um, you know, it was a three-year lease. Uh, I spent $0 for fuel on that. My electric company um, reimburses me if I uh, charge from midnight to 8 a.m. Because basically energy is free at that point for them because they're getting it from Hydro, Quebec, or whatever. So, um, you know, I didn't pay a penny for travel, you know, I have solar panels as well. So I probably even made some money, um, charging my car. Uh, I didn't go to tune-ups. I didn't change my oil. I didn't do any of the things that cost money. So if you figure all that kind of savings into the price of the car, I think even today you're probably breaking even with a, like a model three or a model Y base model. Um, you know, compared to like a BMW three series or, or, you know, a, a high quality car, not maybe not a, uh, you know, a Hyundai or whatever. And then, um, down the road, I mean, obviously batteries are getting cheaper. Economies of scale are happening, um, with electric vehicles. So I think they're going to be cheaper to own and run and, you know, buy, own and run the, the whole cost, um, in the very near future. So, even if you don't care about the environment, even if you don't care about, uh, you know, global warming or, or whatever, or the, the better experience of smoother, quieter, you know, no, no gas stations, all that aside, it's still going to be less expensive to own an electric vehicle. Now I live in Ontario in Canada and here the province used to subsidize the purchase of what it would call green vehicles, but you vote, you guys voted for Ford. But we voted for a premier who has drastically cut that subsidy. Um, and I'm, I, I'm not deeply into it enough to know what the answer is, but I'm assuming that this has got to be something to do with protectionist uh, for the traditional automotive industry. I mean, do you see moves like that in the U.S. or, or elsewhere that have the roots in kind of protecting the system as it is? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the whole Republican Party in the U.S. is funded by the oil industry, which is a, you know, $10 trillion industry that basically goes away if uh, everybody goes electric. So, and they're not particularly nice people. You know, these are the people that are polluting the earth, their own earth. And so they're not going to play good. They're not going to play nice. And they're, they're uh, not going to go away quietly. We know this. 
So there's going to be a lot of misinformation out there. There's going to be a lot of bought off politicians, which, you know, clearly, uh, that's, that's the case. Although, you know, uh, other provinces in Canada, Quebec, uh, uh, British Columbia, they have really good, uh, EV incentives. Uh, so in the U S we, you know, we have some EV incentives too, because, you know, we had a, you know, good, good, uh, administration not too long ago. Um, my belief is that EV incentives don't work. Like what we should do is tax the hell out of gasoline because that's the problem. Like that's, that's the big issue. So if you're paying $10 a gallon or, or whatever equivalent that is in metric off the top of my head, um, I, uh, I think then you get the same end result, which is more people buying EVs. In terms of climate change, I think many would agree that the science does seem to be in and the science is fairly definitive. Do you believe electric vehicles will have a significant impact on reducing carbon emissions once they're more widely adopted? Yeah, I mean, it's part of the big picture. So, you know, if everybody's running coal to make their electricity, uh, EVs aren't, you know, going to help that much. Um, they still help a little, even if you're almost 100% coal. But uh, yeah, the other piece of the puzzle is moving uh, the grid to become 100% green and sustainable. Um, and that's happening all over the, the, the country, the North America, really. Um, I mean, like, I think Quebec is almost 100% sustainable with all their hydroelectric up there. Um, so, you know, I don't think a new coal plant has been built in quite a bit of time. Natural gas is still uh, big and, and taking over a lot of the, the coal stuff. But, you know, natural gas is way more efficient. They, they not only, you know, spin turbines, but they use the heat um, as an additional source. So the, the new natural gas uh, generation plants are, are way, way more efficient. And then, you know, you have batteries that kind of eliminate the need for peaker plants. You have offshore wind. Um, there's Great Lakes wind as well um, that, you know, taken all together with solar and everything else and hydro. Um, we know how to get to fully sustainable. Um, so we know how to get there. There's no like science breakthroughs that need to happen. It's all just kind of uh, efficiency, scale efficiencies that uh, need to happen. You mentioned you also have solar panels on your home. What would you say to the person out there who, who likes to think that they believe they're green, but they also think, you know, I, I'm just one person. I can't really make too much of a difference. That's actually a big uh, thing. I mean, it's like voting, right? Like your vote doesn't really count, right? Because it's just one out of a billion. But I think it's kind of like, do you believe in science? Do you believe in, you know, the earth that you want to, set a good example for your kids. It's the same thing. Like you really, like if you're gonna, what, you know, be upset about, uh, the Trump or Ford administration, you can't, you know, really do that. And then, uh, not make every effort to kind of, uh, green your house and, and, uh, do all the things that can, can kind of pull, uh, carbon from the, the atmosphere, I guess. You mentioned at the very outset that the first time you took that Tesla ride, it kind of blew your mind and there was a, a shift that, that happened. 
Seven years later, what's it like for you now when you get in your Tesla and go for a ride? Does it still give you a, a special feel? Is there still something about being in an electric vehicle that does it for you? Yeah, I, I uh, it's, you know, if I end up renting a, a gas car, if I'm, you know, traveling, which hasn't happened obviously in a while, but it's always like a super big disappointment to have to like, you know, hit the gas and go through the gears and all the, the silly stuff. Um, I also like, uh, I try not to break any speed limit rules, but it's also like when you're on driving on the freeway, um, and you know, you need to pass a truck or whatever, you kind of feel like a man among boys, like like you're playing soccer with like a bunch of children because you're so much faster. Like you can go from like 55 to 65 almost instantly. So, you know, like some big muscle car pulls up next to you and you can just like gone. Um, it's, it's just kind of a, it's a, it's a superiority feeling, I guess. And, and, you know, another example is like whenever I'm at a stoplight and I'm in my Tesla and I'm like, well, I got to represent Tesla because everybody's like, Hmm, I wonder, wonder how Tesla's are. So I have to go from like zero to the speed limit as, you know, as fast as I possibly can. And, uh, you know, I want people to know that like, Hey, I just smoked a, you know, Camaro and, uh, made no noise and the car didn't struggle at all. So that's me. One final thing that, that my friend who drives a Tesla often talks about is he claims, and I haven't gone to look up the studies or anything, but he claims like if you're in an accident because of the design of the vehicle, that you're actually more likely to be safe in a, in a Tesla specifically than in many internal combustion engines. Are, is there data out on that or is that something you've heard as well? Well, I've seen data and Tesla's promoted the data, obviously uh, they, they would want to do that. Um, the idea is that, uh, you're basically the whole front of the car is a crumple zone. So you have that frunk in the, in the, the front that's, you know, not full of anything theoretically, unless you, you know, load it up with metal or something, it's not going to, when it crumples, it's going to allow more smushing of the car. And, you know, I, I think something like 80 or 90% of, uh, crashes are front of the car crashes. So, you know, that makes sense. It, uh, I haven't done any due diligence on the data I've seen. Um, but it makes sense. There's also the fact that, you know, the car is not carrying any flammable liquid, obviously batteries can catch on fire and they have in the past, but I think overall you have a much less chance of, you know, a fire incident in an electric car than a gas car. Awesome. So that's the end of our formal chat. And this sound indicates that we're just going to hit our little rapid fire round to wrap things up. I'm going to ask you a few quick questions, just looking for a few fast answers. Number one, money aside, what's your favorite electric vehicle? If you could have anything in your driveway. I just got a Model Y. That's my favorite. And now my wife and I are fighting over it. (laughs) What simple thing can someone listening today do to reduce their carbon footprint? Uh, I mean, the easy thing is throw up some solar panels on your house. Uh, just, you know, pretty easy. Uh, electric vehicles are also easy. How long, and you might even say it's now, but before EV becomes affordable enough for mass adoption, would you say? I mean, I would say like now, like, you know, friend just bought a Chevy Bolt for 20,000. Uh, you can get used, used ones less. Um, I, I think it's kind of an excuse. Like uh, a lot of people say, uh, you know, I, I couldn't get a four wheel drive SUV and I'm kind of like, you know, you can get a four wheel drive, you can get a, you know, all these things. It's just not perfect because there's not like the exact thing you want, but like sometimes you just have to like give it, give it, you know, like 
can't get everything you need. Like maybe it doesn't come in the color you need. I don't know. Do you think we will have personal flying vehicles available at some point? At some point for sure. Uh, a lot of smart people are working on it. Uh, Larry Page, uh, even Elon Musk has talked about it. Um, the problem is obviously batteries are too heavy. Uh, so, and I'm, you know, assuming you mean electric and not hydrogen. I think hydrogen probably would be available for uh, long distance travel now, but unfortunately hydrogen is usually extracted using, uh, not very green methods. So, um, you got to get the whole, the whole package. Once it's available and you could buy something you could fly in and you're con- you consider it safe. Is that something you'd do? Absolutely. Awesome. Seth Weintraub, owner of electric.co, 9to5mac.com, 9to5toys.com, and many other websites. Thanks so much for sharing your inside story today. Thanks for having me. Seth is a super knowledgeable guy. And that website again is electric.co. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-E-K dot C-O. You'll find all the latest from this industry. And if you're on a budget like I am, a good selection of electric scooter reviews. As for a Tesla, well, someday I hope so. They truly are awesome to drive, and every little thing we can do to help the environment, even if it's just one step at a time, helps. As Seth pointed out, it's like voting, and that, as we know, is really important too. I'm Scott Simme, and this has been Inside Stories. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries.